Hi, welcome to our study of patterns found in God's Word. We're going to look at the book of Samuel today. Samuel is one book. They call it 1st and 2nd Samuel because it was so big they had to split it up into two scrolls. Same with Chronicles, same with Kings. But when you look at those three books, they're just one. So we're going to put it into the pattern, the matrix that we have of nine boxes. Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit sits on top to help us to ask the right questions when we get to the text. So let's divide the books up, throw it in, and it's a simple way to memorize the whole 1st and 2nd Samuel. And to get all, all I'm trying to do is teach a handle. This is not the only system that's out there in the market today. This is one that I find that is very convenient and it gives you a really neat way to approach the scriptures. Once you get this part down, then you can go explore the book, but at least you'll be able to find where you are in the book once you have the nine down. So, beginning with 1 Samuel chapter 1 through verse 7, we're going to break 1 Samuel down into uh, chapters of 7 and 8, and it breaks the book down very nicely. Because right here at the very beginning, you see that the question on love, it's all about Samuel. It's his mom showing up, praying, and asking for God to give her a child, and she would give him to the temple. And here comes Samuel. And Samuel is the first prophet that God has spoken to in years, right? So we see Samuel developing. We see Samuel leading the people. And through the whole time that he takes over the leadership, the Philistines aren't a problem. But now it's time to quit for Samuel, and they don't want to listen to his sons because they don't make good judges. So the second section is chapter 8 to verse 15. The people ask God for a king like the rest of the other countries. Samuel's upset, but God's saying, it's not you they're rejecting, Samuel. It's me that they're rejecting. And they want a king like the rest of the world, a king who is totally ungodly. When you start to look at the beginnings of Saul, he is not a godly person. In fact, when he's looking for those donkeys at the very beginning, when he runs into Samuel, it's only because of his servant who's got money to pay Samuel to find out where those donkeys are. It wasn't even in Saul's mind to even think of asking a prophet. As a matter of fact, when Saul is talking to Samuel, he says, can we go and worship your God? Not our God, it's your God. There's no joy in 8 to 15. There's no joy because the people don't want to be godly. They want a worldly king to lead them. There's no joy because King Saul himself is not a godly person. He does not have a love for the word as we see with Samuel. Now we come down to a nice bright piece of sunshine, and that is David shows up in the picture. Now with David showing up, we're seeing peace because David is a person who loves to share the word of God. In fact, as a shepherd, what's he doing? He's got the most tedious, boring job, but he's spending all this time learning to perfect the harp, and he's writing songs like crazy for God. So he's out in the field singing all these songs. So when the time comes, when he, after he defeats Goliath, because he doesn't have a problem, if he can beat the bear and the lion, this Philistine's nothing to him, because he's got God on his side. He's got that... He's got the love and the joy, and there's peace reigning in his heart because of that relationship. Saul, there's none of that. David gets anointed. Saul loses the Holy Spirit. David gains the Holy Spirit. So they need somebody to calm Saul because he's got a, uh, an anger issue problem. So David moves in, and he he's plays the harp, and he sings the songs. And David, 
Here's the thing you need to think about. That this peace, when you're at peace with God, there's other people in the same way. And David runs into a very kindred spirit, and that is Jonathan, Saul's son. And you see a great relationship growing between the two of them because both have that love and that joy for God, that which Saul does not have. And then the whole book finishes with Saul chasing David, chapter 23 to the end, 31, when the Philistines finally end up killing Saul. Now, this is talking to us about patience, and this is what you need to see in this section. David could have killed Saul twice. Once in the cave, he cuts off a piece of his cloak. Down in the field, when Saul was sleeping, David steals his staff and his sword. And he tells Saul that, and Saul realizes David could have killed him. But he still continues to seek after David's life. And David understands that the only one that's going to take out the anointed is God himself. You can't touch the Lord's anointed. And that's the way David was. So David had great patience. Even knowing that he had been anointed to be the king, he could not step up into that position until Saul was taken out of that position by God. So you got to have great patience. Sliding into 2 Kings chapter 1 through 5. Now 2 Kings you can divide up into nice bite-sized pieces of five chapters each. Chapter 1 through 5 we see kindness. We see David doing the things that he needs to do because now he's king. This gentleman shows up and says he's the one that killed Saul. What does David do? He kills that guy. Why? Because nobody kills the Lord's anointed except for God. So this guy forfeits his life. Even though he's lying, David still takes his life. You see the kindness of David as, as he goes through chapter, chapter 1 through to chapter 5. Now we see the goodness, chapter 6 through chapter 10. Because David's set up as king over all of Israel, and he's thinking about God. Goodness is sharing the, sharing the blessings of God. God has blessed me. I'm living here in Jerusalem. And where is the tabernacle? You know? It's still outside. So David says, I've got to go out, bring the tabernacle in, and build the temple. Well, God says, you're not going to build the temple. But we do see David struggling to bring the tabernacle into Jerusalem because he's not doing it correctly. He's got it on a cart instead of having Levites to carry it. Learns his lesson the hard way. And because he wasn't educated in how to, a lot of cost of people an awful lot of lives because of David's laziness. But he gets the ark back into Jerusalem. Then the next section is all about faithfulness. Here we have chapter 11 to 14. I think you see David as a man after God's own heart. And David is so faithful. But here's where he trips up. That is running into Bathsheba. And the Bathsheba is David committing adultery, committing murder, and then losing his son because of all of this. Uh, it's a, great, it's a great lesson for all of us. The best of us are going to fall. The best of us are going to sin. But here's an interesting lesson on forgiveness. Because though David and Bathsheba lost their first son, their second son, God came to them. You can you get this in First Chronicles or Second Chronicles. God came to them and said, you're going to have a son from Bathsheba. His name will be Solomon. He will be the next king. And you have to say to yourself, these two came together with adultery. He kills her husband, and now all of a sudden God's blessing them with, with Solomon to be the next king? Lesson here is God forgives. And when God forgives, it's done and gone. And that's what you need to see. 
That's what David saw. And him and Bathsheba had Solomon. And David had full confidence that Solomon would be the next king. Even when it comes to the gentleness. Because gentleness, chapter 15 to 20, here you have Absalom. And I have a K on my chart. That's for King Absalom because Absalom runs David out and he puts himself in place of being king. And so chapter 15 to 20, we have these people trying to take David out. David flees because he doesn't want to get into the fight. He's got this gentle behavior to him. If you go back to chapter 11 or is it chapter 12, when Nathan gives David the eye-opener about the sin that he was in, he said that your sons... There's going to be turmoil in your family from here on in. David knew Absalom was going to do something. And because God had said it, David couldn't stop it. So here's the gentleness of David allowing Absalom to run. David tried to save his life, spare his life, but he couldn't. And Absalom lost his life. But at least we see the gentleness of David. And then at the end, 21 to 24, here comes the end of David's career, David's life. And he gets tempted by Satan to count the people which cost an awful lot of lives. I've got to have self-control, because if I don't have self-control, my sinful behavior could cost an awful lot of people their eternal salvation. Something to think about. Anyways, this is First and Second Samuel, thrown into the box of nine, th with the Holy Spirit on top. And if you can just remember these nine points, you can see the whole book breaks into some really interesting points. Now I've got the whole book of Samuel done, memorized. Now I can start to teach it the way it needs to be taught. That's my lesson for today. Thank you.